Good morning, everyone. I'm happy to see those of you who came to come and that we can fill up to 30 as much as we're possible. Let's stand and sing together a song um, that talks about suffering and working through that and still saying, blessed be your name. a jump in musicality. It's a lot slower, um, but this, the words of the song, I think, actually go together really well. And this one's um, Jesus Draw Me Near. Jesus Draw Me Near 
really good to see you all here this morning. Our uh, call to worship can be found in your bulletin there if you'd like to read it. We will read it together uh, as a a congregation. So we'll be reading from the bulletin. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. 
say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Psalm 96, 9, 10a. <laughs> I never know what to do at the end, hey? We never know. Should we say that together or what? Anyways, it's really good to be together this morning. Um, it's a blessing to be together. We had some beautiful weather yesterday and uh, springtime is here and the encouragement and hope that it brings uh, is very exciting as well. So lots to be thankful for this morning. Let's open our service with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, we recognize that, uh, that you are God and you are in control of all things. And uh, so we ask your blessing upon us here this morning as a church family and for those who are not able to be with us this morning. We just pray, Father, that you would bless them and uh, help them uh, if they're not able to attend to, to make time this morning to read their Bibles and to talk with you and to get to know you even more today. For those of us who are here this morning, we pray you would uh, bless us uh, with your word uh, spoken to us through your servant. And uh, we just pray you give Glenn wisdom and discernment as, as he is an effectual communicator of your gospel to us today. So we just ask your special blessing upon us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, scripture reading by June Hope. Reading from the New Living Bible, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided that I should stay alone in Athens and we would send Timothy to visit you. He is our co-worker for God and our brother in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from coming disturbed by the troubles you are going to go through. But of course you know that such troubles are going to happen to us Christians. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could not bear it no, lo when I could not bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you, and that all our works had been useless. Now Timothy has just returned, bringing the good news that your faith and love are as strong as ever. He reported that you remember our visits with joy and that you want to see us just as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly comforted, dear friends, in all of our own crushing troubles and suffering because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life knowing you remain strong in the Lord. How can we thank God for you? Because of you, we have great joy in the presence of God. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill up anything that may still be missing in your faith. May God himself, our Father and our Lord, Jesus, make it possible for us to come to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else, just as our love overflows towards you. As a result, Christ will make your hearts grow strong, blameless, and holy when you stand before God, our Father, on the day when our Lord Jesus comes with all those who belong to him. Get organized here yet. 
Thanks, June. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to take some moments just to bow before you and ask you to open our hearts to what this passage is saying to us. Help us, Lord, to hear you. Help us, Lord, to understand what it is that you're saying. And Lord, more than anything, I pray that you would that you would help me to uh, just speak your word as it should be spoken. Lord, I confess to feeling very, this past week as I prepared this, uh, that my head was not in the game. But Lord, somehow I just pray that you would, uh, you just take your word this morning and take me and help me, Lord, just to say what you once said and speak as you want it spoken. And that we would all hear the message you have for us. We pray in your name. Amen. We've all heard the saying that there's a silver lining behind every cloud. Uh, meaning, of course, that even in the midst of bad things going on, something good will come of it. Something good can come out of it. And this guy was in a car crash and he lost both of his hands. And while he was recovering, he was heard to remark, there's a silver lining somewhere. I just can't put my finger on it. <laughs> but there is a truth to that saying, that there is a silver lining behind every cloud. There, that's a truth that is consistent with biblical teaching. Suffering, when handled correctly, produces maturity and character in us as Christians. Some of you old-timers may recognize the name of M.R. Dehan, uh, Bible teacher on the Radio Bible Class uh, program that was very, very popular on the radio in the years gone by. Uh, still are on the radio, and they're the ones who actually started the Daily Bread, which we still get in our church free of charge. So uh, he started that, M.R. Dehan. But he made, the, up, he made up the following story to illustrate this truth for his listeners. Uh, here's the story. A little piece of wood once complained bitterly because its owner kept whittling away at it, cutting it, and filling it with holes. But the one who was cutting it so remorselessly paid no attention to its complaining. He was making a flute out of that piece of ebony, and he was too wise to desist from doing so, even though the wood complained bitterly. He seemed to say, little piece of wood, without these holes and all this cutting, you would be a black stick forever. Just a useless piece of ebony. What I'm doing now may make you think that I am destroying you, but instead I will change you into a flute and your sweet music will charm the souls of men and comfort many a sorrowing heart. My cutting of you is the making of you. For only thus can you be a blessing in the world. The passage that June just read for us is the passage we'll be looking at this morning. 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 1 through 13. Well, the entire chapter. As we continue on in our journey through the book of 1 Thessalonians. As I mentioned in previous sermons, the first three chapters of this letter is Paul expressing gratitude 
and joy in the news that these young Christians are standing firm in their faith despite the persecution and the suffering that they were undergoing. Paul had brought the gospel to them and then continued to teach and disciple those who accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But he was torn away from them far too soon because of that persecution. And so Paul was very concerned about these Christians, so new and so immature in their faith. Would they be able to stand firm in the midst of the persecutions that they were suffering? Upon sending Timothy to them, and then hearing the very positive report that Timothy returned with, just filled Paul with great joy and thankfulness. And so the first three chapters of this letter are mainly about Paul expressing that joy and thankfulness. So chapter 3, where we are today, starts out with Paul explaining to the Thessalonians what was going on in his mind in those months after he was forced to leave. And when, when they could bear it no longer, Paul says, that is, when, when the concern and the wondering about how these new young Christians were doing, when that grew to be unbearable, the decision was made that Timothy should go back to Thessalonica and check up on them. They are new, immature believers. Are they standing firm in their faith? They are under some suffering because of the persecution they are enduring. Do they need some encouragement to keep on and not throw in the towel. Paul had told them when he was there, he said, he had, he had told them the persecution is going to come. Uh, he had warned them. This was to be expected, and, and it did happen. So, were they standing firm, or was the tempter in some way using this to entice them to go back on their faith, and to deny their faith? Paul just had to know. And so Timothy went. And then returned, and we're not told how much later it was that he did return. And he brought back a very favorable report. Verse 6. Their faith was, and love was alive and well and strong. They were missing Paul and Silas just as much as Paul and Silas were missing them and longing to see them. So that was a mutual thing. So, Paul says, they were, they were deeply comforted. And that made the afflictions that they themselves were going through so much easier to take. Just hearing that good news, verse 8 tells us, uh, allow them to really live. <laughs> kind of smile when I read that. I'm not sure how your translations read that. My translation says, for now we really live, verse 8. I forget what Jude's translation said when she read it. But, but, but the, the joy at the news of their endurance caused life to be just great for Paul. Now we... Now we heard the good news. Now we really live. This proved the power of the gospel. It was confirmation to Paul that what he and Silas were doing was worthwhile. Verses 9 and 10. Again, Paul expressing his deep gratitude to God for all the joy this positive report had brought. And then Paul closes chapter 3 with a prayer. Verse 10, a prayer that I might be able to go see them again. Uh, I don't think that ever happened. I tried to do a little checking up. I, I, don't, there, I don't think there's any record of Paul ever making it back to Thessalonica, although he really wanted to. So, but he would pray in here. He, he, he hoped that God would just grant him an opportunity to get back there. <coughs> and then verse 11 to 13, a prayer for the believers of Thessalonica, which we're going to look at in a bit more detail. So it is a chapter about suffering, 
about being afflicted, about being persecuted as Christians, and standing firm in the face of it. And most importantly, the good and the growth that can come out of the suffering. So let's look at it. Because we as Christians will face suffering, we need to allow it to produce in us what God wants. And a study of the desired outcomes of suffering has come out in 1 Thessalonians 3 will help us in that. So the desired outcomes of suffering. Number one, the joy. The joy that comes. The joy that comes. As you read this chapter, you can't help but see that joy is the dominant tone through it all. Joy is the dominant tone through it all. There is persecution, there is suffering, not only experienced by those young Thessalonian Christians, but also by Paul and Silas and Timothy. They're all going through the persecution and the suffering. And like verse 7 tells us, they were, they were going through the suffering as well. And we know from the story, by the way, back in Acts chapter 17, that after Paul and his companions left Thessalonica, they went to Berea, and they preached the gospel there, and they experienced the same persecution in Berea that they had in Thessalonica. So Paul faced that pretty much wherever he went. They were going through their own suffering. So there was persecution, affliction, and suffering all around. But coming out of that, there is this tone of joy in this chapter. There's deep concern expressed in verses 1 through 6, but upon hearing the news that the Thessalonians were standing strong, the rest of the chapter is just joy-filled. And we saw that joy even back in chapter 2. So we can't help but conclude that there is a joy that comes in facing suffering and affliction and standing strong in our faith as we do so. There's a joy that comes through that. There is a joy that comes when you see those you care about endure suffering and stay strong in their faith through the suffering. And even grow through that suffering. When you see people that you love go through that suffering and see them grow in their faith through it, there's a joy just in seeing that and observing that. And they're not joyful that they're suffering, but we are joyful that their faith is strong and is being strengthened through it. And the same for us personally. When we face persecution and we suffer, but our faith remains strong, and in fact our faith grows through it, that produces a joy in us as well. Why is that? And I think it's because it proves that your faith is real. And there's joy in that. It confirms that your faith is based on the solid rock, a solid rock foundation in God Almighty in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for you. In the fact of the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives within us and gives us strength as we go through the trials of life. If we stay true to our faith in the midst of persecution and suffering, it confirms that our faith is real and true and right. And that brings joy. Because, huh, yeah, that is right. My faith is right. And there's joy in that. And the same when you see that in someone you love. So there is a joy that comes out of suffering if your faith is real. At least that's the desired outcome. And that is consistent with 
with the rest of the teaching of the, of the scriptures. James chapter 1 verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that your testing or the testing of your faith produces endurance. Romans 5 verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult with our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and so on. So that's consistent with all the teaching of Scripture. And the context of this is, of course, going through the suffering that comes through being persecuted for your faith. That's what was going on here for the Thessalonian believers and with Paul and his companions. They were preaching the gospel. There were those who opposed any notion of Jesus Christ dying and rising again and being the Messiah, thus the persecution. But the same principle and truth would apply in all areas of suffering. We live in a sinful world. And things will go wrong. We all know that. We've all lived long enough to know that. Things will go wrong. There will be trials that come. And with them, there will be suffering. The same truth applies. If our faith is real, and if it is strong, there is a joy that comes out of that suffering. And it comes because of the reality and the validity of our faith being confirmed. That our faith is sufficient to bring us through. And there's a joy in that. So contradictory as it may seem, a desired outcome of suffering for us as Christians is that joy that comes through that. Secondly, the love that should abound. The love that should abound. These last two points... Uh, this one and then the next one we're going to look at in a bit. They come out of this prayer that Paul prayed for the Thessalonian Christians in verses 11 through 13. Uh, they were standing strong in their faith and Paul was filled with joy at that news. And now he prays that God would cause them to increase in their love for one another. And in fact in their love for all people. And not only that their love would increase, that it would abound, my translation says. Abound. The Greek word means to fill something until it overflows. I think, notice when June read it in her translation, that's actually what it says. Uh, overflowing. That's what it means. To fill something until it overflows. That's abound. Paul is praying that God would cause their love toward others to increase to the point of overflowing. In the middle of the suffering that they were going through, Paul prays for that increase in love. I think that's significant. When a group of people suffer together, often the result is that they grow closer together in that suffering. They come through with their love for each other stronger than before. That often happens when people suffer together. Often, but, but not always. <laughs> Sometimes the result is the opposite. As people undergo suffering together, sometimes in their pain, they turn on each other. They turn away from each other. And that can happen if you lose touch with your faith. Or blind yourself to the Holy Spirit indwelling you in what he's leading you to do. Paul's prayer is here for these Thessalonians. In the midst of their suffering, that they would increase in their love. That their shared suffering would cause them to draw together. 
to increase and abound in their love. I think sometimes it takes suffering to, to break open our hearts. And to see others as fellow humans created in God's image, each on their own journey, each loved and desired by God. Sometimes it takes some suffering on our part to be able to love others better. Notice that Paul prays their love to increase and abound for one another. And then he goes on, and for all people. So there's two aspects here. First, their love for each other, fellow Christians in that Thessalonian church family. Paul prays that in spite of their suffering, or maybe because of their suffering, they would grow in their love for each other, their fellow Christians in their church family. They're going through this persecution together. They're sharing the suffering together and the prayer is that their love for each other would increase and abound. And that is, Jesus told us, to be the hallmark of us as Christians. Outsiders, non-Christians, would be able to see that we are Christians by the way we love each other as Christians. That's what Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that is especially true if they see us loving each other in times of suffering. And not only loving each other, but growing in our love for each other and abounding in our love for each other. And so that's what Paul's prayer is for these believers here at Thessalonica. That would happen. But secondly, Paul also prayed that their love would increase and abound for all people. Not only each other, but for those outside the church family as well. So who would that be? Well, I guess that's everybody else, right? All those who are not in their church family. Unsaved family members, unsaved friends and neighbors, people they worked with, people they worked for, maybe. The people of their community, the people of their city. And this would also include the people that were persecuting them. Huh. All people, the people that were persecuting them, would be included in that. And again, that would be consistent with the rest of biblical teaching. Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. So when Paul says that he was praying that God would cause their love to increase and abound to all people, included in that would have been the people that were persecuting them. I pray that God would cause your love to increase and abound to those who are persecuting you. Huh. Takes a bit to wrap your mind around that, doesn't it? Friends, one of the desired outcomes of suffering is an increase in love. In the midst of suffering and coming out of that suffering, there is a love that should abound. The desired outcome of our love should increase and even flow. If you're suffering this morning, be it from persecution or from some other trial that has come upon you or your family or, or some people you love, it, it's hard. It hurts. It's draining. But if our faith is real and sincere, 
God can use the hurts to open our hearts to love others more. Sometimes the people that love the greatest are those who have been hurt the most. Let's let the suffering increase our love for each other and our love for all others. Even the ones who persecute us or cause us to suffer. And thirdly, the holiness that should result. The holiness that should result. That's the next thing Paul prays for as he prays for these young believers in Thessalonica. That God would establish their hearts unblameable in holiness. That they would be unblameable and holy before God at the coming of Jesus Christ with all his saints. Even they, though they were going through persecution and suffering, the prayer was that they would be established in holiness. That God would establish their hearts in holiness. And that when Jesus returned, this body of believers would be presented to him holy and blameless. Let's unpack those words. Holy. The word means pure. Or set apart. Something undefiled and thus stands apart from the rest. It includes moral purity, but it also means set apart for a purpose. And it's interesting how Paul words that prayer. That they be established in their hearts, unblameable in holiness. The state of being unblameable and holy is something that Paul desires to be established in their hearts. It's like he's praying that the course toward becoming unblameable and holy to be set in their hearts and locked in. And that is the course they are on from now until Jesus returns. It's kind of like you when you're going someplace, not exactly sure how to get there. You get out your phone and you punch in the destination. And then you choose the route and then you set it. So your GPS and your phone is now set. You've set the course. That course is established in your phone. It's set and locked in. And so now if you follow the directions, <laughs> you will get to your destination. The prayer is that the persecution and the suffering would result in that course toward becoming unblameable and holy would be set and locked in in your hearts. And as they continue to walk with God, that's where they will end up. And when they are presented to God, when Jesus returns, it will be presented, they will be presented unblameable and holy. Most of the time, it takes some trials and suffering to get that course set. Be it from persecution or just from the trials of life. That's often what it takes to bring about that maturity and that character that Jesus is wanting to see in us. Let's look at that James passage again. I read it, part of it for you before, but just turn there in your Bibles. James chapter two, 1, verses 2 through 4. We'll read the whole thing. Where James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And again, that Romans passage that I read part of before, that's Romans 5, turn there in your Bibles. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that's what it takes to get that court set toward holiness and it takes those trials it takes that suffering to get our course set old A.W. Tozer pastor and author in the mid 1900's he once made this statement it is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply it is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. So suffering should result in a course being set in our hearts to becoming unblameable and holy. Whether the suffering is from persecution or from some other trial that life brings our way in the middle of that, or maybe because of that, if we respond correctly, as these Thessalonian Christians were doing, character can grow, maturity can result, and a course can be set for the destination of being unblameable and holy. If you're undergoing some suffering today, let that suffering steer you in the direction of blamelessness and holiness. Let the suffering set that course in your hearts and establish it there. Lock it in. That's where we're going. Just kind of, by the way, just a little bit of a teaser for you who are interested in the end times. <laughs> end of verse 13. It talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The literal translation of that would be with all his holy ones. That some of your translations do actually say. Some translations do actually say all his holy ones. Who are the holy ones? The term is used to describe Christians or godly people. It's also used to describe angels. Both are associated with Jesus at his coming. Uh, you read the prophecies. Uh, there, are, there are angels present at God's coming. And the return of the Lord. There's also saints present there too. They both are associated with Jesus at his coming. If it is referring to Christians, all his holy ones or all his saints, if that's referring to Christians, does that tell us anything about the timing of Jesus' return? If there's going to be Christians with him when he returns, what does that mean? I'll just throw it out there. <laughs> but it does set the stage for the second half of chapter 4 and the first half of chapter 5. So when we get there, you can uh, kind of, that's just, a that's just a teaser for you. So therefore we see from this chapter the desired outcomes of the suffering that we will go through as Christians. 
be it from persecution or some other trial of life. And they are the joy that comes, the love that should abound, the holiness that should result. I don't know what's going on for each one of you in your personal life or in your family or in your circle of acquaintances. Uh, if there is suffering, remember that our faith, that your faith rests on the solid rock of Jesus' death and resurrection and the sure hope of his return. And because of that, and the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you can make it through. And not only that, you can grow through it. Because your faith rests on a solid rock. And as you realize that because your faith is rightly placed, joy will come as that is confirmed in your heart and mind through the suffering. And let the suffering then increase your love toward others. Let God use it to make you more loving people. And let the suffering establish and set the course in your heart, the course toward becoming unblameable and holy. So that when Jesus returns, that's what he'll find. Let's just take our time of silence and bow our heads and allow God to speak to us personally and just open our hearts to what is, what is it that God is saying to me personally here this morning. I'll give you a few moments. Our next song is Take My Life, and if you have a youth that attends our youth group, ask them about communicable and incommunicable attributes of God in context of explaining this song, and they will be able to give you a really excellent answer, I know this. So let's stand and sing together.
I totally messed up the order because I didn't see this other song. Um, the one that I picked for Pastor Glenn's point on joy is an old one, written in 1931. 1931, the world was also a messed up place, but um, somebody wrote the song Joy in Serving Jesus. It was one of my grandma's favorite songs. Um, I asked Pastor Glenn if he knew it, so him and I are old enough to know this song. But it's a really great song and um, reminds us of where our source of joy actually comes from. And I said one, three, and four, right, Cam? Okay. There is 
our final one um, that talks about the transforming power of trials and Jesus working within us as refiner's fire. Thank you, music team, and time now for our praise and prayer time. So does anyone have anything that you'd like to request prayer for? Or maybe you want to publicly praise God for something? Okay, let's bow in prayer. So good to know, Lord God, that we can just come to you and just lay our burdens before you. These are things that are on our hearts. These are things that we're rejoicing in and things that we're struggling under. And we just want to bring them to you. That's what you've asked us to do. You're our Father. And like any father, you, you care deeply about your kids. And you don't always do what the kids want, but uh, you do care about where they're at and, and seek to guide them on a path that's right. And we know that's just what you're doing. And so, Lord, I want to praise you so much that you saw fit to protect uh, Jeremy's family and the Ainsley family and, and Jones and the Jazowskis and Morley Jans. 
and all those yards there that were in the path of the fire. That uh, You protected them all. And we thank you for that. Thank you that uh, they were safe from that. Thank you, Lord, for just another example of how neighbors and, and fire departments all can pull together at a moment's notice to come and help and to uh, fight the fire. And thank you, Lord, that uh, they were successful. And uh, just praise you for that. Um, Lord, as June said, we want to praise you that we can still be together in limited fashion, but also pray, pray Lord, that uh, this, this virus is really starting to wear on all of us. It's so frustrating, and, and I find it very frustrating. And Lord, I, I, just, I just pray you'd give us all your wisdom and guidance to, to continue to be the Christians that we need to be in the midst of this, and uh, to continue to live for you and walk with you and love others and be an encouragement to those around us. Uh, I want to pray especially for our high schools. There's been some cases there, and I'm not sure what exactly is all going to happen with with uh, with that school. I pray, Lord, that uh, you give wisdom and guidance to the teachers and the those in charge of that, uh, how to deal with this. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the outbreak will not get any worse, and and uh, the people that I've contracted it would uh, get better. And uh, Lord, I I just ask your your hand upon each one of them. And ask for wisdom and guidance for our schools. Give them strength. You know, our teachers are, are just walking such a, such a tightrope here through this all, and it's so draining on them. And Lord, give them your strength and guidance as they go through this. Uh, Natasha said, Lord, Ontario and Quebec, Lord, it seems to be much worse there. I just pray you to give wisdom for those people to know how to handle what they're going through schools there and some of the other institutions. Lord, how I pray you give wisdom. And Lord, I pray for our government leaders all across the board. And uh, Lord, this virus is kind of a new thing and everybody, it seems to me, is kind of flying on the seat of their pants and nobody's knowing what, <laughs> what, what to do, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. And they do this and then they do that. And then, and it's hard, Lord. I'm not sure that I know I have any answers, but I pray that you would give them wisdom. Uh, I pray, Lord, that there would be good, sound reasoning that would apply and good common sense be brought to bear and that you would just give guidance to our governments and give guidance to the leaders that are making decisions, give guidance to the advisors who are giving advice. Lord, how I pray that you'd help them through this time. Lord, I want to thank you, as Autumn reminded us, Lord, that yesterday was such a great day and Friday, too, just awesome weather. We praise you for that. Lord, that's a gift from you. We want to thank you for those beautiful days that we were able to have. I want to pray for Rod's uh, sister-in-law's friend uh, who is going into surgery here in, a, in about an hour or so. And so Lord, I pray for Irene that you would be close to her during this time. I pray that you'd guide the doctors so that the surgery would be successful. And I pray that the tumor could be removed and uh, I'm not sure if it's cancer or not, but uh, it would just, you'd raise her back to health and strength and help her to recover well and just go before her. And may she look to you and the whole family look to you for the strength and comfort that only you can give uh, during this time. Thank you, Lord, that uh, Shauna was able to uh, come through another gallbladder attack on Monday as she had to sit in the IER for a while and go on IV antibiotics. But Lord, you brought her through that and uh, uh, the, inflammation or the attack is over 
I pray, Lord, that would be the last one. I pray that she would not have to suffer any more gallbladder attacks uh, until the baby is born. And I just pray that pregnancy would continue to go well without complication. And I pray that you would help her, Lord, as she has to face a stricter diet. Just give her your strength through that. And then, Lord, for um, my sister-in-law, Colleen, and my brother, Scott, that you would just be close to them as they are in isolation now for two weeks, or I guess one more week to go. And uh, Lord, how I pray that uh, whatever it is going on in her abdomen would not be cancer, and I pray that uh, the growth of that tumor would be stopped, and, and uh, that you keep her pain under control, and that uh, when the two, two weeks are over, there will be a spot for surgery open up very quickly for her. And uh, Thank you, Lord, for a good doctor that she has, and a good... A good team there that are on her side, and Lord, I pray that, that would, surgery would be able to happen. And give them, Lord, your strength and guidance through this. Lord, thanks for bringing us together. Thanks for the opportunity we have just to unite our hearts as a church family in prayer together for uh, these things that are on our minds. And just pray that you would meet each need as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so at this time we will uh, just give thanks for the uh, the tithes and offerings, and just as a you know, reminder that there's the box located there. There's also other uh, means to do electronic transfers if that's something that you wish to do. So, uh, lots of different options for you uh, to uh, to give back to the Lord. So let's pray, Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for uh, jobs. We thank you for. Uh, just the blessing it is to be in this great country of Canada, and uh, we're incredibly thankful for how you've blessed us. And so we ask you to take these gifts that we give back to you, and we ask you to use them and honor them. Uh, sorry, you would use them uh, for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In regards to announcements, the primary one that uh, I'll emphasize is in your bulletin is uh, the prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7.30 at the church. And uh, I believe that Mr. Jeremy Peters also has an announcement. So Jeremy, take it away.
Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, we didn't get uh, so usually. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing some some uh, firewood splitting and things like that, because uh, typically uh, when we do our men's uh, trip, uh, we've been doing some some. Well, Pastor Glenn and I have a bit of a tradition of uh, doing some firewood uh, building during uh, the early parts of June there. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so thanks for sharing, Jeremy. Are there any other announcements that we need to uh, to mention at this time? If not, uh, I will turn it over to Glenn for uh, to provide the trivia answers for those who who did the trivia quiz. Okay, kids, if you want to give your uh, your quiz sheet to an adult near you or an adult that you uh, like. Or trust, or both? <laughs> Here are the answers. Uh, number one, silver. Number two, uh, persecution or suffering, or both. One or the other, or both is good. Uh, three is joy. Four, all of us. <laughs> Everyone. Whatever. Five, fill till overflowing. Fill till overflowing is the answer for five. Number six, all people. Seven, answer is yes. And number eight, pure or set apart. Either of those will work. Pure or set apart. So age 10 and under, you needed to get four right. And age over 10, you needed to get them all right. So, uh, if your person who marked your paper indicates that you are eligible for a prize, you can come up after church and I will give you your prize. So, let's close in prayer. So good to be together here, Lord. And may we go from here having been uh, challenged and fed from your word, having been encouraged by our fellowship with each other, and uh, just go our way rejoicing. And whatever comes into our week, our lives this coming week. May we live it in light of what you told us here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.